And this morning we're going to start just a, a very short uh, two-week series on the idea of up, in, and out. Um, we want to just give you kind of plant a seed in your hearts. We've been talking about things about um, being on mission and how we want to, we believe the Lord is calling us to flesh that out. And so for some, this may be like, okay, this is interesting. For others, it may be like, yeah, this is where I really believe I want to be. And so we can help you with that. Uh, but we want to sow some seed this morning of vision of where we believe the Lord is is giving us direction and how he's calling us to be as a church, how to flesh uh, the mission vision that he's called us out in. And uh, so I want to just take those moments today to be able to do that next week as well. Uh, so as begin, uh, as you uh, would watch just a short video, you can be opening also to the book of Acts, to Acts chapter 2 is where we'll be looking at this morning. But I encourage you just to watch a short video from uh, Alliance Kids in the Ohio Valley District. We have different districts in the Alliance. This is Ohio Valley, and this is kids that are answering the question what the church is. So watch this short video. I'll make sure that I can hear you on the microphone. You don't even have to touch it. Don't touch it. You don't even have to okay. touch it. Because it can hear you right where you are. Okay. This is kind of hard. The question I'm going to ask you, like I said, is pretty easy. What is church? Church? I don't know. I can't. It's too hard. Church? It's like... uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a good place to get a donut. And it's a place where I get to play games. Also, there's coffee. Kind of like a hospital. What way is it like a hospital? Uh, Helping people. Church is a place where you can remember what God has done for you and connect with people and help them through hard things that they're going through or just help them through good things. Church is where you can learn, you can do stuff, and go everywhere you want to. I like Alliance Kids because it always makes church feel shorter. It's a place where you sing and dance and learn about God on every Sunday. you dance? No. <laughs> My favorite thing at church is to sing and praise Lord. A place where you worship God and sing holy songs. Worshiping is my favorite part because I just love screaming out the word, yelling out the words. It's a house of God. They're not just coming there for just so they could be in heaven, but Christians should go to church so they could actually know what God is like. It's um, almost like a school. The only subject is you, you like learn more and more about Jesus. It's very exciting, and uh, we do a lot of fun stuff with the teachers. Is there another question for me? Church means like the resurrection of Christ, like and we worship God there too. They talk about Jesus, and it's very good for kids to learn to to believe in Jesus and to love Jesus. Church is like a place that I can like be myself and worship God. Church is, we sing about Jesus' birthday. 
Somewhere where you get to go and maybe have some fun activities and learn how to love him. A place you can go to and listen to the Holy Spirit. It makes people learn how to love people even though you sometimes be mean to them, you still love them. Mm. Actually, Mom, if you want to come over here, then she won't look over that way. You mm. stand right here, right next to me. Mm. Oh. Church is a place where you can worship and learn new things. We dance and we do everything that I want to do. You can learn about God and make friends and the other stuff that I don't really know. The other day, I didn't get to go because it's all the COVID. You know that we had to wear shields, too? That was kind of boring. The church is a group of people that come together to worship and love God together. It's a place where you where you get to hear about God, and that's where missionaries are made. I'm learning mostly about the Holy Spirit and how it gives you power. We learn about Jesus and things he did, like he, when he died on the cross for us. Church is where we worship God, and then if somebody doesn't know God, we can tell them, and they are going to really believe us. Today at church, we went up on the balcony, and we saw five people getting baptized. They put these people underwater, and it's called baptism. People are getting baptized from the name of the Lord of Jesus. Some people got vaccinated. What, what does it mean when you get vaccinated? Somebody who gets in a pool and then somebody who puts them back and then they go in the water. They were just dung in the heads and I don't like to be dunked. Not at all. When you like stand up and like you do this, I don't really do it because I think it's a little embarrassing. When someone's like getting baptized, I like stand up and like if he's my friend, yes, I will go straight away and like say you go <laughs> is there another question i think it's my favorite thing to do in the week it's a fun place to be and you learn more each sunday in my opinion it's the best hour of my whole week yes finally is it hard yes so hard bum, bum, bum. So I'm not even going to try and follow that up, because that's just good stuff. Out of the mouth of babes, boy, you hear some of the best stuff, don't you? Uh, there's funny stuff, uh, but yet some of the things that they said were so profound. Their understanding of what church is, and uh, just wonderful to be able to hear in those profound and humorous ways from children. And I really believe that they captured well, and, and, and I think you'll, you'll kind of catch this when, I, when we talk about up, in, and out, what the whole idea of church and the rhythms of up, in, and out, which is the title of this morning's message, that are really present in healthy churches. And so this morning we want to look briefly at some of these rhythms that are expressed in both large and small gatherings. And, and like I said, I want to begin to cast kind of a vision for us to be able, things that I maybe, you maybe have heard me talk about a little bit, um, to be able to kind of get a little bit bigger picture for how this might look and to plant some seeds and then to just trust that the Lord will, will stir that up in our hearts and uh, we'll begin to move forward in this together. So 
If you have a bulletin and you have some sermon notes, there's just some basic ones. There'll be some more explanation on the screen. If you're a note taker, you can use that. If not, uh, you can just follow along. But as we begin, I invite you to look with me in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. We'll read it, and then we'll look at three thoughts this morning uh, about this up in and out rhythm of what it looks like to be in a healthy church. It says in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, this is after Pentecost, uh, the church, the Holy Spirit has come. Peter preached uh, one of the greatest sermons as far as response. 3,000 people were saved, and now the church is beginning to be formed. And even as we sang, as, and the Spirit came and the church of Christ was, was born, here's what it looked like in those early days in the early church, Acts two forty two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, into prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Three thoughts this morning. The first is this. We want to look at the rhythms of a healthy church. The first, as in the title, we just want to walk through up. What is up? When we talk about up, what does up mean? Up is about growing in Christ. It's about worship. It's about turning our focus towards Jesus. It's about turning and having encounters with God in an upward way. He is in heaven. We are on earth. We want to encounter the God of heaven. Verses 42 and 43, we see the church doing four things. Three of them we want to look at first. They devoted themselves to four things. The first, to the apostles' teaching. The third one, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We see the early believers in the early church in this up rhythm. What they were doing is they were devoting themselves to what the apostles had taught. Jesus spent his time with these 11 closest, and they were the ones who he then gave the teaching role to in those early days because they had been with him most closely. They were the ones empowered by the Spirit who were teaching the people what it meant to walk with Jesus. They were also having communion, that's the breaking of bread, and they were having times of prayer. These were opportunities where they were encountering the presence of Jesus in worship and in prayer, reflecting, remembering, celebrating just as he had told them of eating the bread and drinking the cup, doing it, declaring the Lord's death until he would come again. They were encountering Jesus together. They were in these places of worship. They were in these places of growing in Christ. They had an upward focus on Christ. And as they were doing that, they were continually being transformed by the Spirit. As this was happening, there were some amazing things that were going on. In verse 43, it says, everyone was filled with awe. And when I, when I read this, and we'll see it just in a moment, I don't think it was just those in the early church that were believers. I think the people in general, non-believers even of the day, were looking at this, and everyone was filled with awe. They were, the people were looking at this and going, what is going on here? There were miraculous signs and wonders being done by the apostles. In other words, God was there. There was a tangible sense in the midst of the gatherings where they would come together, devoted to the apostles' teaching, to communion, to prayer, where they would just know God is here. They were so focused on him and his presence and his goodness and growing in Christ together. It was the up rhythm. 
We see a second rhythm that was there in in the title of the message, In, and that is about growing in community. And when we talk about community, we're talking about the church community. Verse 42, it says that not only do they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread and prayer, but also to fellowship. We see them devoting themselves to fellowship. The New Testament word is koinonia. It's not just showing up and saying hi to each other. Uh, we got a ton of Panera bread today. And uh, it's not just sitting around and having Panera bread and talking and saying, hey, what about this? Hey, did you see this on the news? Or what about the, hey, it snowed. Oh, man, here we go. It, it's not, that's, that's conversation. Fellowship is engaging on a heart-to-heart level with another person around the presence of Christ. Fellowship is about being known and about knowing others. It's about opening our lives and our hearts to one another and being able to really share what's going on. It's going past the surface to, hey, this is what I have to celebrate, and this is where I need prayer. It's being able to to share who I really am with you and you sharing who you really are with me and know that in that risky place that I'm going to love you and you're going to love me and I'm not going to look at you and go, ooh, you, you struggle with that or that's an issue with you. But to be able to come alongside of each other and to know that I'm going to be deeply loved and you are going to be deeply loved as we share at this heart vulnerable level one with another. That's, that's fellowship. It's past just sitting around, shooting the breeze. It's life on life, getting to know each other. And and in this place, that is where we are really loved for who we are. That is where relationships really happen. That is where we grow in community. So much so that verses 44 and 45, it says that all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They, They had a common purpose and their common purpose was Jesus. And out of that common purpose... They were able to share one another with one another. Verses 40, verse 45, they sold their possessions and goods and they gave to anyone as he had need. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a, a faith community where you don't need to go anywhere that all the needs are met within that community? And if I don't have it, I can sell what I have so that I can get enough to buy for you. It also speaks to the fact that they knew each other's needs. Here in America, we like to pull up our bootstraps, right? We like to be able to figure it out and do what I need to do to take care of myself. Friends, how will we care for others' needs and how will you care for my needs if I don't depend on you and you don't depend on me? That's community. And in this in rhythm, there is this place in a healthy church where you're growing together in that deep sense of fellowship to where we rely on God by relying on each other. The third rhythm is out, and that's about having this place of missional engagement. Verse 47, it says that they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Just think of that. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The people all around Jerusalem were looking on and saying, you know what, I don't really necessarily know what's going on there, but something good is happening. 
They were enjoying the favor of all the people. And daily, it says, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Certainly, there were miraculous signs and wonders that were being done in the church. But when you look at the book of Acts and you look at the Gospels, the apostles eventually, as they go out, do the majority of their miracles, signs, and wonders out of the church. (laughs) And Jesus, when you look at his ministry, the majority of the signs and wonders and healings and deliverances that he did were not in a church meeting. They were out amongst the people. They were evangelistic in a sense. There was outward work being done. They were looking outward. They were not just looking inward. There was this outward missional focus at the same time. Because remember, Jesus had given this, them this commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, when the Spirit comes on you in Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right where you're at. You're going to be my witnesses to those around you out in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. These rhythms were taking place in the early church. They were up, growing in Christ, encountering the Lord. They were having deep inward relational fellowship together, and they were also out looking at missional engagement. These rhythms, and, and if, you look, if you listen to the kids, they talked about all those, didn't they? They maybe didn't say up, in, and out, and this is just a fancy way of saying this. But they were talking about coming and growing and learning about Jesus. They were talking about loving each other and supporting each other. And they were talking about other people coming to know Jesus. And that's where missionaries, I love that one, church is where missionaries are made. And we're all missionaries, we should be. They were talking about up, in, and out, rhythms of a healthy church. So as we would talk in the future about up, in, and out, Now you have a little bit of a picture, a little bit of a concept of what we're talking about. Up, in, and going out. The rhythms of a healthy church. Second thought this morning. I want to look at the places to be able to practice these rhythms. The places to be able to practice these rhythms. And and we really see two places where these rhythms were practiced. The first is in verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together where? In the temple courts. So they had... Every day, these large group gatherings. The church met daily in the temple courts. In other words, they were doing Sunday worship every day. Now, could you imagine if every day we were gathering together for worship? That'd be pretty intense. But yet God was doing something so unique, something so new, something so powerful that they were like, all right, back at it. Teach us. Let's have communion. Let's remember what Jesus has done. Let us pray together. We want to be together. We want to hear because God is up to something. We want to be in these groups together. And so these rhythms of up and in and out, they should be practiced in the large group of the church. So we should gather on Sunday mornings for large group times of teaching and prayer and having communion and having fellowship. We should be able to to share life. And I would just encourage us that on Sunday mornings, if you're coming early for Panera stuff, that that you intentionally go deeper than just, hey, let's talk about whatever's going on. But that you intentionally ask, hey, what's Jesus doing in your life? How can I pray for you? Where are you having victory? Where might you need some encouragement? And... To be even so bold, some of you, as to be able to be the one to go first. Hey, I want to tell you what Jesus is doing in my life. 
I want to be able to tell you, hey, I'm really struggling in this area. Could you pray for me in this area? Hey, you got to hear what Jesus did in my life in this. You got to hear what he, what he showed me, what he taught me this week. You got to hear how he's changing me and leading in those ways. And so in the large group, on these large gatherings on Sunday morning, we can do this. We can have up and, and we gather for the up. We can also have the fellowship. And then we also can do some out. We have this great event that we've done now a number of years, Fall Family Fun Day. That's a church-wide outreach out to the community where we had 350 to 400 people just sharing and serving our community. We have things like the Easter egg hunt. We have the after-school program. We had the, the gift cards that we, that we gave for the school. These are ways as a church that we are able to gather. There's going to be a new one coming here in um, here this month to be able to come alongside refugee families that we're going to hear about next week. These are outreaches, these are out movements that we can do as a large group together. And so we, we need each other in that way. We need the large group gathering. But the large group has its limitations, doesn't it? The large group has limitations to be really able to know one another. Unless you decide that you're going to come really early or you're going to stay really late, you may have that thing of, oh, I got to get going, or the kids are with me, and we got to do this, or, oh, lunch is here, we got these plans, we got to move on to the next thing. On Sunday morning, we may have those limitations to really be able to know one another. We also have the limitation that on Sunday morning, it's a little bit harder for everyone to contribute to that uprhythm of worship and participating in worship together. And we're also limited sometimes on the out, to be able to to all have that place where we are leading and initiating and asking the Lord, what are you doing as far as mission? Usually in the large group, there's, it comes from the top down. Like Mara's leading something, or there's something that, that the leadership were able to be able to say, here's a need that we're going to be able to do together. But it's more about now the congregation, now the church family is responding to what is offered. But in a moment, I want to show you how that can be a positive for another gathering. And that other gathering is the small group gathering. The small group gathering. Because you'll see in verse 46 that not only did they continue every day to meet together in the temple courts, but they broke bread in their homes. In other words, again, that is, that's not just eating Panera bread in their homes. That's having communion together, celebrating the Lord's death and his resurrection. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This breaking together of bread was communion, the Lord's Supper, and they ate together in homes. And in that day, just as it probably is still in our day, a meal in your home is like if you get invited to somebody's house or you have somebody over for dinner, you're like really opening yourself up, aren't you? That's the deep place that if you're willing to welcome somebody into your home and to supply food, because now you got the risk of, oh no, what are they going to think about this? And oh no, I got to make sure my house is clean. And oh no, what if the kids go bonkers? Oh no, oh no, oh no. But to welcome somebody in and just say, hey, here's life. Would you come in and join us? That was the ultimate form of closeness and intimacy. That if you brought somebody in for a meal, You're saying, here, I'm opening up my whole life to you. Let me serve you. Let me give to you. Let me welcome you. Let me honor you. Let me have life together with you. I'm here to serve you. I'm welcoming you in. Lives were shared over meals. And so 
the small group gathering provides a place where we can also practice up and in and out, but to do it in a way that is more intimate and more close than what we can do in a large group on a Sunday. We're able to gather together and to worship him and up, and we're able to to wait upon the Lord in times of worship, in times of prayer, in times of remembering what Jesus did through communion together. We can remember his death. We're able to practice things like in the book of 1 Corinthians where different people would bring a word or a psalm or a hymn and would be able to say, Here, here's what the Lord is doing. Here's what, I, well, here's what the Lord is prompting me. There may be a leader of that group, but there's more opportunity for different people to participate in worship. You're looking at each other rather than at the back of somebody's head in a row. There's an intimacy in worship. There's waiting and allowing the Holy Spirit to have more time and allowing the Holy Spirit to, to lead you in prayer. Up can take place. In can take place because there's not as much rush sometimes. There's the opportunity to be able to share your story. Sometimes in a group like this, you can be able one week, everybody gets a, ch- a chance that one week so-and-so is going to share their testimony. And the next week, so-and-so is going to share their testimony and where they're at with the Lord and their journey. So you get to know each other. Hey, this is, this is the history. Boy, I never knew that about them. I never knew where they were at before Jesus. I never knew that God did this, that God lifted them out of this. And in those times, you have an opportunity to really share your story, to be known and to have others come along and say, wow, that's amazing what God has done in your life. And you begin to be encouraged as you hear what God has done in others. And out, you're able to wait upon the Lord and listen and say, Lord, what are you doing? What are you calling us as a group to do in a more intimate way? Now, obviously, this has its limitation because you can become very small and forget that you're connected to a bigger. You can also be limited in your resources. If the Lord is leading you to some big, gigantic project And you look and you go, boy, we don't have the resources to pull that off. There's some limitation there. And sometimes you just need some accountability, some oversight, some investment in you. And so in a small group, if you're not connected to something bigger, there can be a a limitation there. But I want you to understand one thing. We absolutely need both. We need both. We need Sunday morning where we come and we gather and we celebrate and we connect to one another in the larger church family. But we also need those times where we're close together, where we're more intimate, where we're closer, where we get to know each other, where we get to worship on a closer level. One is not better than the other. We need both. And sometimes we lean, people may have tendency to lean to one or the other. Maybe like, oh, I'm all small group. And I don't really care for Sunday morning. Or, boy, I love Sunday morning. don't really care for small group. But we see here in the pattern of the early church that God was doing something, and they, he patterned and he created something that had both. And so I want to share, because we, we do a lot on Sunday. We try to do a lot on the large group. But we really believe that the Lord is leading us to a new way to accomplish the smaller side. And that is the idea of a missional small group. A missional small group. So I wanted to share real quick in, in conclusion this morning some of the practices 
of what it looks like to be in a missional small group. Now, when I, when I say missional small group, these are intentional words. Because a missional small group is more than just a Bible study. A Bible study is you come, you have a study, you gather around it, you study God's word, you maybe pray for a little bit, and you're off. Usually it's pretty heavy focus on Bible study, which is a good thing, right? I'm not saying Bible study is bad, but this is not just a Bible study. We say, okay, well, I've been involved in a small group maybe, but it's more than just a small group because a small group is going to have some Bible study and it's going to have some fellowship. It's going to have some connection one with another. You're going to get to know each other. That's where you can share. You can do up and in. But a lot of times small groups lack something. A lot of times small groups lack a focus on what are we doing to go out and to be on mission. And so we want to have the ideas of a small group up and in, but we also want to make sure that it has a focus of going out as well, of practicing all three rhythms. So in a missional small group, up, in, and out rhythms are all practiced. I shared a little bit already that we practice up in times of worship and and prayer and times of studying scripture in order to grow in our relationship with Christ, both individually and as a group. We practice in by sharing our stories, by celebrating our victories, and by sharing our burdens so that we're able to pray for one another and be prayed for and supported. So we can have text messages during the week or calls from others saying, hey, we've just been thinking of you, as you after you shared that. I've been praying for you this week. How's it going? What's going on? Can, is there a way that I can continue to come alongside of you? Scriptures are full of the one another's. And the only way to do the one another's, love one another, share for one another, support one another, carry each other's burdens, the only way to do one another's is to be in relationship with Okay, that was pretty weak. The only way to support and care for one another is to be in relationships with one another. Okay, all right. Sometimes there's just moments where you've got to make sure everybody's with you. And that's the end. Where we can fully reveal who we are and we can be loved for that. Not to stay there, but to move forward. And it's a place where we can practice out where we discern as a group where the Holy Spirit is at work, and where as a group we can join him there. It may be that the Lord is going to lead you to a group outreach project. It may be that the Lord is going to lead you to host a party at your house or one of the person's houses and to bring unsaved friends to that. It may mean an already established outreach program that the church has of saying, as a group, we're going to make sure that that thing happens. It may mean that one of the individuals in a group becomes really, really burdened and passionate for a ministry. And the group comes alongside and says, we're going to make sure that what God has put on your heart, that it gets done. We're going to pray for it. We're going to give to resources for it. We're going to come around and support you however you need it. How can we come around you for what God has put on your heart? And the group begins to own what God has put on one person's heart. For instance, my parents small group that they've been a part of for years. One of the guys in the, in the group is soccer coach at the high school. And every day before the game, the members of the small group, one person brings a snack for the team between school and the game or between 
uh, school and the practice. Every day they do this. And this coach, by the end of the year, had this optional Bible study where he decided, I'm going to have this additional. If any of, the, any of my players, it's not mandatory. If any of my players want to come, they can come. And there were a number of people, a number of the, the players in this, on this high school team who came to this Bible study, and several of them have come to know Christ. It was what one guy saw as his mission, and the whole group came around to the point where my parents, one day my dad was bringing the snack. And as he was there waiting, he heard one of the players saying, Hey, coach, church people are here. They became known as the church people. Those students, those soccer players on that team said, Hey, these people who are always coming around, I may not know, I know coach, I may not know them very well, but I know they're the people who always show up. Somebody from their group is showing up every time to bring stuff. The church people are here. And that's something that could be done in an outreach as a group. But that group has owned that together. So you practice up, in, and out together. Another uniqueness of a missional small group is that there's a focus on intentional multiplication. A focus on intentional multiplication. Missional small groups begin with, a, with multiplication as a goal. A typical Bible study or a small group gets established, and a couple weeks into it, it's very unlikely that a new person's going to join. So it takes a unique person to see a group that's been established for several months or a year and to be like, oh, there's a Bible study there or a small group there. And everybody knows each other. I don't really know anybody. It takes a unique person to be like, you know what? I'm going to show up to that place where everybody knows each other. I may not know hardly anybody, but they, they're kind of, you could tell. They, you see them talking at the church, you know, and they're all together. It takes a unique kind of person to be like, I think I'm going to join that group. How many of you would be like, a group that's been together for a long time, that's the kind of group I want to jump into. How many, are, how many would be that kind of person? All right, we got like four or five. I know where I'm, I'm, if I see a group that's already established, I'm like, I don't know what's going on there. They all know each other. I don't know them. They don't know me. I'm going to back away. And so one of the things that can happen in a, in a Bible study or a small group that has been meeting for a while is we may announce on a Sunday, hey, there's a new discipleship or, or, or the discipleship group is starting a new study. Most people are like, already established group. Uh-uh. And what can happen unintentionally is the group can become closed. Even if the group is insane, yeah, you know what, we want to look outside and we want to welcome others in, dynamics just make it so that it's like, ah, an already established group, that's not where I want to go. But a missional small group goes into it and intentionally at the beginning says, we are going to multiply ourselves after a couple years. This group, we're going to go deep. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to love each other. We're going to worship together. We're going to get to know each other. We're going to be on mission together. But we're already beginning to ask, Lord, who's the person who's going to lead a new one? What's it going to look like to, to start something, to multiply? Because in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, growth does not happen by addition. Growth happens by multiplication. 
So if you have one group that decides we're going to multiply, now you have two. And if those two groups decide they're going to multiply, now you have four. And if those four decide they're going to multiply, now you have eight. Or you could just have one, and then two, and then three, and then four. It's the power of multiplication. In the kingdom, that's how God works. He works in multiplication. So a missional small group goes into things and fights this kind of inward focus that can develop cliques or closed group ideas and says we are intentionally looking at growing, multiplying, reproducing this group. Lastly, practices of a missional small group, it's an opportunity to do church on a micro level. Everything that you would do in a larger church in the large group meeting, up in and out, is done with a smaller group of people. It's like a church within a church. And Sunday morning, large group gatherings, prayer meetings, missions conference, all those opportunities become celebration and connection times to the larger body. But church life is able to happen weekly and intimately in a small group context. So you may be going, okay, glad this one's almost over. But I just want to put seeds out there in your hearts. You know, there's one church in our district who has really leaned into this. I mean, there's, uh, there's multiple, but there's one who's really leaned into this. And, you know, we're still in the midst of COVID pandemic. You read the news and it seems it's not over in any way yet. But when COVID was at its height... And churches were locked down. You know, you weren't supposed to meet. You're supposed to be at home and all those things. And no groups were supposed to be bigger than 10 or whatever. This church had already established this, this culture where the large group was the thing that they gathered to celebrate and have connection. But where, where church life really happened was in missional small groups. And during COVID, where a lot of churches went down and were fighting to, okay, how are we going to, to get the church together? they didn't miss a beat because they were able in those small groups to stay connected. They were able in those small groups to meet maybe outside in small groups or on Zoom or something, but they were able to stay connected to one another. They were able to worship together, grow together in Christ. They were able to support one another, know what was going on in each other's lives. And they were able to shift as they knew of needs, as they knew of mission opportunities, they were able to engage them as a group. They didn't have to, as a church, be like, okay, how do we approach COVID? They were just like, oh, here's a thing. And they went for it because they didn't have to be like, okay, we got to have a board meeting and then we got to do this and now we got to plan it and all this kind of stuff. They just went for it and they met people and they saw people come to Christ. And where a lot of churches decline, most churches decline they actually grew. And the reason was because they had already had established this rhythm of life in smaller groups and they gathered on Sundays to celebrate. And so even though they didn't get to do the Sunday thing for a while, they were able to have church week in and week out alongside of one another. And some of you may just be like, okay, that's cool. And if that's where you're at, can you just receive the seed and say, God, I don't know what this will look like for the future, but all right, I'll keep it in my mind of possibilities. Others of you are going, hmm, kind of interesting. I'm going to have to think about this a little bit. 
If you have questions, talk to me, talk to Mara. Um, we'd love to talk to you about it. And some of you may be going, you know what, that's what I've been longing for. That's what, I, that's what I've been sitting here going, man, there's something missing, what is it? If that's where you're at, we would love to begin to get you in a place to have a missional small group, to be a part of that, and to see what God is doing, how he's stirring that in your heart. So this morning, I, I hope you just see that God is up to something. I believe this is the direction, our leadership, our elders, board members, we believe that this is the direction that God is taking us on. We don't want to run ahead of them and like push something. We don't want to leave, you know, slow down and lean behind, be left behind. But this is, just want to throw those seeds out there and say, Lord, would you stir it up in us together? So let me pray for us. I know it's a little different vision casting kind of message this morning, but then the worship team can come and lead us in a closing song. Father, thank you. Lord, the church is your, your creation. It's more than just an organization. Forgive us when we make church just an organization, but it's about life. It's about living in up relationship with you. It's about being in fellowship, close relationships with other believers. It's about looking and being on mission to a lost and dying world. I thank you, Jesus, that you're the head of the church. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the one who lights the flame and empowers it all. So, Father, all these things may be more than just a concept. I believe this is, these are the things that you want to do in our midst. So may it be more than just a concept. Father, take the seed of this vision, plant it in our hearts, plant it in our church family as a whole, water it, weed where, ne- where necessary, cultivate. Ultimately, it's you who will make it grow. So Father, where it may be stirring hearts, I pray for boldness and courage to step out. And for, Lord, that it would bear fruit in our midst. Lord, I love you. We love you. We thank you for the privilege of being called yours and being in this beautiful body that you've called your church. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.